Hello, everyone, and welcome to Six Pack of Facts, the weekly way of expanding your brain, six refreshing facts at a time. My name is Alex, and this week we've got an explosion of light and color for you. That's probably because we're discussing light and color. So, that's all I have, and we're going to get into it right now. Here's Light and Color. Let's start simple. You flip on the lights, you step outside and see the sun, you see the tiny little numbers on the front of your microwave. It's all light. So most of us are constantly interacting with it, but what is it? The light we see is just a small sliver of the much wider electromagnetic spectrum. Electric fields wound with magnetic fields zipping across space. The difference in electromagnetic spectrum is designated by the width of the wave in question. At the short end, we have gamma, X, and UV rays. At the wide end, we have radio, micro, and infrared waves. Smack dab in the middle is what most of us see every day. Visible light measuring at around 400 to 700 nanometers, or about 1% the width of a human hair. So that's what it is, but why do we see visible light and not, say, a flood of infrared waves in the air all the time? A couple of reasons. First, visible light carries the right amount of energy to spark the chemical reactions in our carbon-based cells. Wider wavelengths, such as radio waves, don't have the oomph needed to register, while shorter wavelengths, such as gamma, pack way too powerful of punch and actually cause harm. Second, from an evolutionary perspective, being able to see visible light just carries the most advantages. Because almost all visible light passes through water, making it appear transparent to us, creatures in ancient oceans that had eyes capable of seeing visible light were evolutionarily primed to succeed. Pass that on for, you know, millions and millions and millions of years, and here we are. In 1667, an Italian astronomer named Galileo Galilei conducted an experiment to measure the speed of light. He placed two people in opposite locations, each holding a shielded lantern. When one person uncovered the lantern, the other person uncovered theirs as soon as they saw the light there was only one tiny problem. The two people were less than a mile apart. That's not quite enough distance to accurately measure the speed of light without some extremely sensitive equipment. And our eyes are good, but they're not that good. That's because light is fast, very fast. In a vacuum, light travels at 186,282 miles per second. This, according to Einstein's theory of relativity, is the universal speed limit. According to the theory, an object's mass increases and its length contracts as it increases in speed. So, an object moving at the speed of light would have an infinite mass and a length of zero. Which is, you know, impossible. So don't expect to travel faster than the speed of light anytime soon. Okay, alright, there are some exceptions to this. Maybe. The universe, thanks to general relativity, expands faster than the speed of light. And if there was a method of bending space-time, hello black holes, then maybe objects could technically be moving faster than light, but these require their own six-pack to get into. Alright, let's bring it back down to Earth. 
In most situations, we're lucky enough to have light sources readily available to us. Whether it's a tiny LED or the massive sun, there's plenty of light to go around. But some creatures don't need all that nonsense. They can create their own light, thank you very much. Bioluminescence is production of light by living organisms. Tons of creatures can create their own light, including jellyfish, worms, beetles, fireflies, fish, squids, bacteria, and fungi. A diverse bunch for sure, but there's one link. The enzyme luciferin. Sound familiar? The name comes from the Latin word lucifer, meaning light-bearing. Oh, and it's also the name of the devil. Anyway, despite the gorgeous glows, bioluminescence isn't really used for illumination. Organisms use their ability for purposes like signaling mates for some sexy time, warding off predators, and camouflage. Despite pitiful humans' lack of bioluminescence, we have put it to pretty good use a few times. Before the invention of the safety lamp, for instance, miners used bioluminescence of dried fish skins to avoid the use of open flames. Pretty clever. And probably pretty stinky. So talking about light as waves in the visible spectrum is great and sciencey and important at all, but it lacks a little warmth, don't you think? It might lack a little cold, too. Cold and warm. Let's talk about color. Again, we'll start with the basics here. We've already established that visible light exists in the 400 to 700 nanometer range of the electromagnetic spectrum. But what makes blue light blue, green light green, red light red, and so on? The exact same thing that differentiates gamma waves from radio waves. Wavelength. Visible light with shorter wavelengths in the 400 nanometer range appear bluer, while light with wider wavelengths appear more red. So that's the what, but why? Why is an apple red or a leaf green? The color we see is actually the color that's reflected back at us. An apple reflects red light, but absorbs all other colors as heat energy. White objects reflect every color, and black objects absorb every color. When it comes to English, there are 11 unambiguous color designations. Red, orange, yellow, green, blue, purple, pink, brown, gray, black, and white. But that's not the case in other cultures. In Papua New Guinea, there are only five words for colors. And in the Bolivian Amazonian language, Chimane, there are just three words for red, white, and black. While this was once thought to be due to the salience of colors, the most important colors were designated first and then so on, another group of researchers discovered something different. These researchers found that color terms were, in general, developed for clear communication first and foremost. Using a study that's a bit too involved to dive into here, but the research link is in the show notes, the researchers found this to be true across 110 languages, with warm colors like red and yellow being easier to communicate than cooler colors like blue and green. Why? The researchers found that warm colors tend to represent things people want to talk about most, like animals or berries or other humans, and cooler colors tend to represent things in the background, like the ocean, the sky, or a grassy field. In short, we prioritize labeling things we want to talk about most. It's a classic chicken and egg conundrum. 
if the chicken was a color and the egg was a fruit. Which came first, orange the fruit or orange the color? Before late in the 15th century, the color orange didn't even have its own name. It was referred to as yellowish red, or simply a color between yellow and red. Then, when traders started bringing oranges to Europe from Asia, the name started to become a descriptor for other items that were similarly colored, and, over time, the word took on the definition of the color itself. So, fruit or color first? The fruit. Case closed! So, there you have it. Colors and light for a colorful and bright season. If you like this podcast and you're not already subscribed, it's just a click away. And why not tell a friend about the show, too? And if you really like the podcast, why not leave a review on Apple Podcasts? It would be much, much appreciated. Until next week, when we dive into another six-pack of facts, stay thirsty. Can't get enough of these refreshing facts? There are three easy ways you can help support the show. If you're listening through Apple Podcasts, leave a quick review. Then, make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss an episode. Then, share the show with a friend. The more, the factier. Stay thirsty.